Convoy of Hope is a faith-based organization that brings the love of Jesus to those who are impoverished and suffering. One Day to Feed the World is your way to bring all of that to those we help. So, how can you take part? It's simple. Give one day's wage through One Day to Feed the World. One Day transform my everyday. We're continuing a series entitled Gratitude in Everything Give Thanks. And this weekend, we're going to challenge your hearts to express our gratitude in a very practical way. I'm going to invite you to go with me in the Old Testament, the third book of the Bible, the book of Leviticus. We have the notes on our Westover app. You're welcome to join us there. But in the third book of the Bible, the book of Leviticus, chapter number seven, we're going to look at the subject of gratitude. Now, what's significant about this chapter is this is the first time the first time in the Bible we have the mention of thanksgiving or thankfulness. So here God is going to teach us, the first time he mentions something, he's going to teach us something about thanksgiving, gratitude, that will be forever true, that applies to our hearts. When God introduces it for the first time, he's going to lay down some principles that are going to teach us. Now, now understanding how the Old Testament is written, let me explain. In Hebrew culture, they spoke in word pictures. Today, we kind of speak in propositions. For example, we say today, God is love. In the Old Testament, the description is, the Lord is our shepherd. It means the same thing. In the New Testament, we say, God is our protector. In the Old Testament, God would say it this way, I am your tower. I am your refuge. I am the high tower. We get it. It says the same thing. So in the Old Testament... God describes, but everything God describes, God prescribes. In the description, God has a prescription. He's going to tell us what to do. It applies to our heart, but God does it in the Old Testament in description format. Now, the format God is going to use in the Old Testament is going to buy about bringing an offering. Now, they don't live in an economy. They have coins. They don't have credit cards. They don't have checkbooks. This is a barter economy. What does that mean? They would take animals or they would take something they made. They would take their grain or whatever the case may be. In this case, it is actually bread they bake. And they would present it to the Lord because that's their livelihood. That's how they change in the marketplace. It, it would be through a bartering system and not through coinage and not, not through credit card. So everything that is said in the bread actually represents, if you please, their currency, their money. And God is talking to us. Join me in Leviticus chapter number 7. We're, we're going to begin at verse number 11 and following. And this is the peace offering or the fellowship, the thanksgiving offering. These are the regulations for the fellowship offering anyone may present to the Lord. If they offer it as an expression of thankfulness, then along with the thanks offering, they are to offer thick loaves made without yeast with oil mixed in. Thin loaves made without yeast brushed with oil right there. God approves the tortillas. Right there it is. <laughs> there is a verse in the Bible. You can put thin loaves made without yeast, brushed with oil. Let's, let's say butter. Okay, okay, brushed with butter. And fine, fi oh my goodness. 
God is a, God is a champion of tortillas. <laughs> Let's keep on reading. And thick loaves of the finest flour, well kneaded, with oil mixed in. Verse 13. Along with their fellowship offerings of thanksgiving, they are to present an offering with thick loaves of bread made with yeast. They are to bring one of each kind as an offering, a contribution to the Lord. It belongs to the priest who splashes blood on the fellowship offering against the altar. Verse 15. The meat of their fellowship offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it is offered. I'll talk about that. They must leave none of it till morning. Now, this is not God's version of the Food Network. God is actually teaching us about thanksgiving. And there's something here about gratitude that we can apply to everyday experience we have today. But God did it in picture form in the Old Testament. And there are four thoughts I want to drop in our heart today. Thought number one is gratitude takes the focus off of ourselves and it expands our heart. True gratitude, you don't focus on yourself. You take the focus off of self and you begin to expand your heart to think of others. This is found in verse number 12 and 13. This is why the Lord says you're to bring four different kinds of bread. You're to bring one with yeast thick and it is to be brushed with oil. You're to have a thin one mixed with oil. You bring that one. You're to have another thick one, but the oil is to be mixed in. And along with that, verse number 13, you're to bring a thick loaf. And if this one is to have yeast in it and it is to be well kneaded. Now, what does all of that mean? You see, of all the offerings in the Old Testament, the Thanksgiving offering was the only one that people could eat. Every other offering they presented was for the priest, but the people could not eat of that offering. But God says this one, the pe people can eat of it. So what is the point? You don't bake your favorite bread alone. You bring four varieties of bread you don't do just what you like. You don't go for a fellowship offering and say, I'm going to eat this, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it the way I like it, and I don't care if somebody likes it differently. This is the way I like it. And God's saying, if it's an offering of gratitude, here's God's principle. Take your focus off yourself. Expand your heart to include and think about others. You're to bake four kinds of breads. Now, you probably have your favorite, but somebody else also has their favorite. For you see, when it comes to gratitude, the focus is not on self. The focus is on others. God's teaching us that. In just a few days, like many of us, we're going to gather for Thanksgiving uh, meal around tables, as we often do. And Denise does something. She'll cook, and she'll make a special dish for this son-in-law, a special dish for that son-in-law, for this daughter, that daughter, the grandkids. Everyone at the table will have a favorite dish. Now, some of them Denise won't even eat because she doesn't even like it. But she doesn't do it for herself. She does it for them. She includes them. You see, when it comes to Thanksgiving, it's not about self. Gratitude 
forces us, gratitude invites us to take our eyes off of ourselves. And here's what it is. If we give to ministries that only bless us, we are consumers. But if we give to ministries that bless others, we're worshipers. So the question is, do you want to be a worshiper or a consumer? You say, I'm only going to support the ones that help me, my kids, my family. Why should I be interested in student ministry and teenagers? I drove mine out years ago, and I'm glad they're out of the house. We're not consumers. We're worshipers. You see, God's interested in people, and God is teaching us a lesson in life. You can't just bake the bread you like. If you're going to be a person of gratitude and I'm going to be a person of gratitude, I've got to take my focus off of me and I've got to put my focus on others. In a marriage, the deadlock of wedlock is often ingratitude. No, it's my way. This is the way. This is the place. Have you ever met somebody? They only go to the restaurants he or she wants to eat at. They do it. They eat dinner at their time. They'd, everything is one person. When I, when I hear this in a marriage, oh, we do it because of him or her. We do it because of him or her. We do it because of him. If everything in the family is to cater to one, can I tell you, something is wrong in that home. A healthy home, sometimes you do it intentionally just because other people or another family member appreciates it. God wants you and I to take our, our ideas and our, our focus off of ourselves all the time. Here's, here it is. God wants to take all the mirrors out of our life, and he wants to put in windows. Yeah. He, God, it's easy for me to think about myself. Well, this is the way I want it. This is the way I prefer it. This is the way I like it done. This is about me and God. This is how I feel. And because I feel this way, this is the right thing. And I can just affirm and I can strengthen self and pride very easy. I, that, that can happen in my life. And God wants to take those mirrors of always looking at myself and my preference and God wants to put windows that I can see others and their needs. Here it is. God is saying, I've got to bake bread, even if it's not the kind I want. It's not always about me. Gratitude always includes others. Thinking about this message this past week, I just asked Siri, what is she thankful for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, did you ever do you ever have a conversation with Siri? I did, okay. I just asked her, Siri, what are you thankful with for? And here's what she told me. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Come on. Come on, Siri. You you can do better. You can do better than that. And here's what she retorted back. We're here to talk about you, not about me. <laughs> I'm saying, get serious, Siri. Yeah. Yeah, you say, but pastor, you don't get it. She's programmed that way. I wonder how many of us are programmed that way. I wonder how many of us are programmed and we have our defense answers and we have these cut and dry explanations why it should always be this way, why the whole family has to go this path, why everything has to be done our way, why we're the best worker and every other co-worker, they're louses and they're lazy and whatever the case may be. We can get in a mentality. We can get programmed to self. 
And we can live in a world filled with mirrors that doesn't have any windows. And God is saying, gratitude, you need to bake different loaves of bread because there's people different from you. Take your focus off of yourself. Number two, number two, gratitude goes beyond the minimal. Gratitude goes beyond the bare minimum. Notice verse number 13. In fact, this phrase is found twice in the reading. It says, along with. Bring an offering, but along with that, bring one also that's like this. And I was caught by that phrase, along with. You know, sometimes you can justify, well, I am doing and I, I, I do occasionally go out with the kids, and I do occasionally ask you what you want. I do occasionally come to church. Yeah, what, what more do you want, Pastor? I come to church once a quarter and give a quarter. What more do you want? Yeah. We can get caught in the bare minimum mentality. Scripture is telling us when it comes to gratitude, Gratitude doesn't do the bare minimum. Gratitude, gratitude goes above and beyond the call of duty. Ever so often, somebody will ask me, Pastor, I need to ask you a question. When it comes to tithing, do I tithe off of my net or do I tithe off of my gross? I have a standard answer. Do you want a net blessing or a gross blessing? You decide. You, you, you decide. I have found when it comes to God, whether he's wanting a part of my heart, whether God is wanting a, a part of my mind to refocus, whether God is it's an offering I'm giving to the Lord, whether it's time, never give God the minimum. If it's truly an act of worship done with gratitude, gratitude never gives the bare minimum. With God, give God more bandwidth, and God will download more in your heart. That's what he'll do. The scriptures tell us when we go to work tomorrow, when we go to work tomorrow, we need to not do the bare minimum. Yeah. Yes. There's three boxes to be moved, and only two of them are your job. Do you know what scripture would tell us? Move all three. Well, that's not my job. Yes, but here's Here's what Scripture teaches us in the book of Colossians, chapter number 3, verse number 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's somebody at work, you, you hope you don't have to open the door for them. In fact, when you're going across the parking lot and you see them out of the corner of your eye, you speed up so they don't get through the door on your open. Yeah. I don't want them. And you have been tempted. It'd be neat to lock that door when I get it. Yeah. Whatever we do in word or deed, whether on social media, word or deed, whether in conversation at the water cooler, word or deed, Everything we do in word or deed, we're to do it with thanksgiving unto the Lord. And God is teaching us here, don't do the bare minimum. You may be minimum wage, but be maximum attitude. There it is. Yeah. 
Have you ever seen people that were on minimum wage that were paid too much? Yeah, because they had a horrible attitude. No matter what, you, you may feel like you're not being paid enough, doesn't matter. Have an attitude that's worth $20 an hour more and you're being paid. Do all, word or deed, in the name of the Lord. Do it with such a, a lavish, just such a, an abundant spirit that it ministers to people. They say, Jesus put it this way, go a second mile. And all you do, go a second mile. Number three I want to share with you. Gratitude, it requires giving. Gratitude requires, not optional, it requires giving. The Scripture tells us in verse number 14 of the bread, they are to bring one of each kind as an offering, a contribution to the Lord. It belongs to the priest. You see, we have it right. We call it thanksgiving, not thanks-taking. And some of us, some of us, could it be we have the idea, I'm only thankful when I get something. That's not thanksgiving. That's thanks-taking. And the Bible calls us to a higher level. The world is thanks-taking. You scratch my back, I'll scratch it. You do me a favor, I owe you a favor. We have that. Next time, I owe you one. We, we, in thanksgiving, in true gratitude, no one ever owes a debt. No. Biblical gratitude, you do it as unto the Lord, even if you don't get paid back. Whether word or deed, you do it with thanksgiving unto the Lord. Oh, I know this steps on our toes. I know it's hard. I, I know it's difficult. There's somebody that challenges that. There's somebody that just, it doesn't seem fair. But God is saying, could you take the challenge? Could you, in gratitude, be a giver and not just an exchanger? Not a taker, not an exchanger. Be a giver. You see, in gratitude, true gratitude, everything, everything becomes a gift. Your smile becomes a gift. Your time becomes a gift. When you open a door, that's a gift. When you carry something for somebody, that's a gift. When you give in, when you give to, when you give more, when you give a chance, when you give a second chance, in gratitude, we can give all day long. You don't have to have a lot in the bank in order to be a giver. It has to be in the heart. And when we do in word or deed unto the Lord, it becomes an offering and it blesses and it touches so many. And God is, <coughs> God is challenging us to be givers. Someone said, the, the more you give, the less you fret. Yes. The, the, the more you give, the more things don't possess you and hold you. The, the, the less of possessions it bothers you. We, we need to be we, we need to think not about stuff we're owning, make sure it doesn't own us, but that in gratitude, God, I thank you for and willing to share with others. It requires giving. Number four, number four, talking about gratitude. Gratitude calls us into generosity. This is found in verse number 15. If you're going to be a person of gratitude, it calls every one of us into generosity. Notice verse number 15. The meat 
of their fellowship offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it is offered. Notice that. It must be eaten on the day it is offered. They must leave none of it till morning. Did you see that? Must be eaten on the day it's offered. They cannot leave any of it till morning. Some of you saying, thank God. I finally found a verse in Scripture that allows me to pig out. I've been wanting a verse in the Bible that gives me permission to stuff myself. My wife has been telling me I just go overboard. She tells me I should have two pieces of chicken. I like the whole bucket. I, I don't want to share. I, I don't want a bowl of ice cream. I want half a tub of ice cream. Uh, it's, it's not until I get past the fourth scoop that I really feel the presence of the Lord in that ice cream. I mean, I want it in abundance. I thank God there is a verse. I'm going to put that on my T-shirt. Leave nothing of it to my, must eat it all. That You've missed the point. It's not about stuffing yourself. It's about generosity. You say, Pastor, help me understand it. Here's what God is saying. You bake the bread. You bring four different loaves. You've eaten. Your family has eaten. But there's some left over. Here's God's rule. You can leave none of it till morning. It has to be eaten the same day. So what do you do? You're required to find somebody that hasn't eaten. You're, to, you're, you're required to find somebody that hasn't eaten, that hasn't had their portion. And God says the same day, you've got to take that bread to them to make sure they're fed and taken care of. It's not about stuffing ourselves. It's about being generous. You don't hold on and say, I've got some for tomorrow. Oh, isn't that good? God provided enough for me to have some. No, it's not about tomorrow. Leave none of it till morning. Yes. God is talking to us about generosity. God is saying, if you live a generous life, God says, I can do so much through you and, and for you. Giving results in God's blessings. Generosity results in God's rewards. Some of us are at the blessing level. We're blessed because we give. But I want to invite you, there's another level called God's rewards. And that comes through generosity. Yes, it's in Scripture. It's Matthew chapter 26. Jesus is with his disciples and a woman comes in and she has a very valuable perfume. Very expensive. Guys, you know how expensive perfume is. Think about the most expensive perfume. And what does she do? Does she take a little bit of it and put it on Jesus? No. The Bible says she takes the cap off. She pours it over Jesus' head and his feet. The entire, there's nothing left. The disciples are in chagrin. What are you doing? We could, have, we could have given Jesus a little bit. We could have sold the rest of it. And we would have had some extra for ourselves. And Jesus says this. You guys don't get it. You guys don't get it. She gave it all. She emptied the bottle. She understands generosity. And Jesus goes on to say this. The gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached throughout centuries and around the world and her story will be told and she goes in the record of God because of generosity why she held nothing back 
I want to suggest to you there's a level of rewarding God that that comes from generosity. Denise and I, we just we just always figure if if we have an income tax return or a blessing or a rebate or something, there's somebody God wants us. There's a ministry God wants us to be generous to. God's given us more in order to give into more. You say, Pastor, where did you learn that? I'll tell you where I learned it. I was in my 20s. I was in Bible school. I was in my third year of Bible school. I was working on staff at a church and a day when minimum wage was $2.90 an hour and I was paid less than minimum wage. But I loved what I did. I didn't even make minimum wage. But I did my job with joy, serve the Lord. I'm in Bible school. I'm in my third year of Bible school. And the dear pastor I worked for he went through a personal crisis. I still remember him telling me that he and his wife were divorcing and they lost their marriage. And I, my, my heart was, was grieved for them. He was leaving the church and as a product of it, Denise and I had to leave our position in the church, our less than minimum wage job. But it was the only means that we lived by. It was, it was how we were getting by. She was working, and we, 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 could, we, couldn't, we couldn't live next week without that income. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I couldn't pay my tuition and my books for my upcoming last year of Bible school. You say, why didn't you go to her, your parents? My dad, his job had just been downsized, and a few months after that, he'd lose his job after 28 years, and he was worried, and and he was under stress about his job being lost so we didn't go there her mother and dad her mother was so sick her dad had spent just so many day after day in the hospital by her with her and and at home attending to her that we we couldn't make our concern our problem theirs we refused to share it with family members we just took the need to god i'm talking to you about generosity where you learn that and I still remember a man walked up to me that dear friend is in this service right now yes we've known them for some 36 years yeah he attends he's retired attends my church today I, I was in my 20s he walked up and said to me Jim Joe Hurley told me Claire and I want to pay for your fourth year of Bible school with all your tuition and all your books. Yeah. I, 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 I was overwhelmed. I wanted to say something and thank Joe. And Joe did something in his frank and to-the-point way. I was going to say, Joe, it's just thank you. Say, don't ever thank me. This was before the day we had the phrase, pay it forward. Here's what Joe said. He said, you just do it for somebody else. That'll pay me back. So through the years, through the years, tell you what Denise and I have done. Every time we've had extra, we say, God, 
Who are we to bless? There's somebody that we're going to bless. Yes, we put gift cards and money and cards before and handed it to single moms. A few years ago, just a few years ago, Denise and I, we have all the stuff we need. We just said, you know what? We're not going to buy each other gifts this year. We're going we're gonna to find a single mom and we're going to give our Christmas money to her. We're going to, and we did, we found a single mom, bought her a clothes dryer. She didn't even have a clothes dryer. You, you would have thought you'd have bought her a brand new car. We were able to give her a clothes dryer. Yeah, that's what blesses our hearts. I'm talking generosity that you don't do the bare minimum. There's a point in which God expands your heart and you say, I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a, a channel to bless others. We've lived that by that motto. I'm talking about giving not, not till where you just feel a warm fuzzy on the inside. Can I tell you, Denise and I give until sometimes we do without. And when we give to we do without, it feels like generous. And it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. I'll just tell you, it's celebrated in our lives. Because a long time ago, a long time ago, I, I captured that from Joe. Pay it forward. That's not how he said it. He said, don't thank me. Just share with somebody else. I got it. Leave none of it till morning. Leave none of it till morning. It must be eaten on the same day. Can I tell you, God blesses givers. God rewards the generous. And I invite you to have a heart of gratitude. Be generous. This closing video of about three and a half minutes is going to share with you a little girl and her family by the name of Selena. It's girls like this, it's children like this that we're inviting you to take the One Day to Feed the World challenge. Watch this video, and then I'm going to come back and lead us in giving. Please. It's tough for me to share my story, because it hurts. After we came to live in El Mongo, our mom abandoned us. My dad remarried, and his new wife treated us really good. They had my sister, Anna, but not long after that, Anna's mother died. When Anna's mom died, she gave her to me to take care of. Now, Anna treats me like her mom. She calls me mommy. Until recently, my dad didn't have permanent work. Sometimes we didn't see him for three or four days, and we would starve. The worst part was having little kids ask you for food, and you had nothing to give them. The pain they feel, I feel. I never expected it to be this way. But if I have to suffer, I'm going to suffer, especially for Anna. Today they gave me soup, and it was delicious. I ate it all. The first thing I do every day is thank God, because the food that Convoy brings is a really big help for the kids here. When you're hungry, you feel weak, and it's hard to concentrate on your homework or exams. But when they give me food, it's different. 
I can concentrate and do good at school, which is going to help me a lot in life. Before my siblings were in school, I used to feel really bad because I was the only one eating. I would eat just a little and take the rest home. They would be so happy when I provided for them. Next year, Anna will be in kindergarten. That's going to be one of the best days of my life because I want her to receive an education. Through all the punches I've received in life, all the suffering, I've learned a lot. I learned that you don't give up. And now my faith is bigger than my suffering. God gives me strength to keep going. For me, hope is to have faith. Never give up and keep fighting for what you want. I'm going to invite our ushering team to move forward. And as we've mentioned to you for several weeks, we partner with an organization entitled Convoy of Hope. It is a ministry, ministry-based organization that is primarily in the area of disaster relief. But in the last few years, they have expanded that ministry and around the world feeding 150,000 children in the forgotten regions of the world, third world countries, where people have so little, the forgotten, the forgotten. But Convoy of Hope has stepped in. It's an organization whose integrity is absolutely impeccable. There are no, no corporate jets. You're not going to hear about the bulk of the money staying in a corporate office. I have met with the founders of this organization. They are Assemblies of God men that just have a desire to do something for God. God has blessed Convoy of Hope, and we're partnering with them. They say that a $10 will feed a child for a month. $120 will feed a child for a year. And that is one day. We're going to invite you to give one day offering in order to feed the world, the forgotten children of the world. Your gift today, 100%, will be sent to Convoy of Hope to respond to this need. If the Lord so desires and so prompts your heart to give in this offering, to be a part of this, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If you're giving check or cash, please put in a contribution envelope. If you prefer online giving, online giving and their missions, we actually have it designated missions, one day to feed the world, one day. If you look under missions online, one day. If you're giving by text to give, put these words, spell it out, one day. Spell it out, one day, whatever you want to give. It's all included in this offering. This is a one day to feed the world. One day we're going to open our hearts and we're going to say, God, we're going to share. We're grateful for what you are doing, what you've done for us as a church and as a family, your family. And you're going to open your heart and share with others. And I want to thank you in advance for what you're doing and how you're willing to participate. I'm going to invite you to pray together with me now as we receive this one day to feed the world.